Welcome to the Stone Ranch. Believe it or not, that work you saw a while ago, y'all are going to be doing that the next two weeks. Yahoo! That's a good Yahoo, son. Thank you. Now, this ranch has been in my family for five generations. And we've always tried to live out here by the code of the old west. If you came out here thinking this is a dude ranch, I hate to disappoint you. This is not pretend. This is a real working ranch. We've got to move these animals from here to our ranch in Colorado. This is going to be great. You may feel like a bunch of pigs on roller skates for a while, but we're going to be watching you. We're going to see how you set a horse. And in a few days, you'll be rounding up a herd and going after strays. Came out here, city slickers. You're going to go home, cowboy. <laughs> What do you think? I think you look like one of the village people. We are so excited for Vacation Bible School. It is happening in less than 24 hours. This room is going to be filled with all sorts of uh, uh, little, little ranchers, okay? Uh, we're going to have kids packing the house of God and celebrating who Jesus is. And thank you to the, the literally hundreds, in fact, thousands of you that are volunteering to help make all that happen. And if you're like, wow, is there any room for any little ranchers in my life? Or do you still need any help? Of course, the answer is yes, there's always room. Uh, it is going to be a rootin' tootin' good time. Man, there's just so many things that you can say about VBS and weird, like, Western words. I don't know. Uh, if you can't tell, I'm very used to being a cowboy. I know that I'm strapping. I know that I could... I, I'm like me next to Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Clint doesn't stand a chance. And uh, so anyway, uh, hey, I wanted to show you that, that clip, though, from the movie from the early 90s called City Slickers. And uh, not only because we're going to get really used to wearing our, our cowboy boots over the next couple weeks, um, but this movie, uh, it, it illustrates something that's true about all of us. In the movie, the story goes that Mitch, who's played by Billy Crystal, uh, he's having a really hard time in life, and so are his buddies. They're, they're facing some gigantic problems, and they're not really sure how to solve them. They're not really sure if they're solvable. solvable. And so, uh, so Mitch, he's you know, lost his sense of purpose. He's not really sure why he's doing all the things that he's doing. He's showing some serious signs of depression. And uh, his wife says, you need to figure out how to get your smile back. You're not yourself anymore. It's affecting his relationship with his kids. And his friends, they, they have gigantic problems too. One of them, he had a really rough upbringing and, and he's never really dealt with that. And so it comes out in all sorts of angry ways. It explodes out or there's, there's a sarcasm or bitterness that just sort of starts to show up and, and it affects his relationships. Another one of them, you come to find out that he actually had an affair with somebody at work and 
wrecked his family, lost his job, and he felt totally broken, totally lost. And so what did these guys do? Well, they did what most men do when we're facing big problems, uh, especially if they're like problems relationally or emotionally or mentally, uh, we tend to run away from them. And so they went on a vacation uh, to try to maybe clear their minds and get settled and that sort of thing. And so they go on this vacation together to have this ranch experience. And so they, they're going to drive cattle and get in touch with their masculine side again. I don't know. And so they go and, uh, of course, hilariousness ensues. But they're facing gigantic problems and along the way... Well, God shows up in their life whether they realize it or not. And they face these giants in their life. The truth is we all have gigantic problems. And maybe, maybe you think that, well, I don't, at least I don't have anything as dramatic as those guys. And if you don't, that's great. Some of you are like, that's small potatoes compared to what I'm going through right now. And we got everyone in between. The truth is that every single one of us, we all all have gigantic problems to face in life. Here's one that's not so serious that I experienced the other day. Um, my, my sister was getting married. That wasn't the problem. I really like my new brother-in-law. Uh, but uh, my sister was getting married, and I got to officiate the wedding. And uh, it's been a, str- a strangely, um, I don't know if this is strange, that's the wrong word, a happy year uh, because I have three sisters and they all got hitched in less than 12 months. And so this is my third sister that I've officiated her wedding. And so I'm standing there with Natalie and Zion and it's beautiful. It's just emotional. Like we're, we're in the moment. You can feel the presence of God. You can feel the love in, in it wasn't the room, it was outside. And, and so I'm like a good Lutheran pastor there with my little red book and we're doing the vows and, uh, and, of course, I have a gigantic problem fly right up into my face. Could, maybe it was a bee. Maybe it was a bald eagle. I don't know, but it was huge, okay? It was massive, and, uh, and I didn't pass out, but I'm pretty sure I blacked out because I don't know what I said. And, uh, you know, I think it was like all those fragrant, beautiful flowers. Like I had one right here, and the bee's just like, I will hang out right here while you do the vows. And, and man, I, I was freaking out. And you know that thing? I say this to my kids, too. They're scared of flies. I'm like, flies can't hurt you. It's okay. You know what what they say, right? They're more scared of you than you are of them. No, they're not. They're flying right up into your face, okay? They're like, let's be friends. And I'm like, "Ah." okay, it's it's scary, all right? And some of you are like, okay, pastor, uh, we, we learned something about you today. You are not a cowboy, okay? You are not a cowboy. You're scared of bees. And the truth is that no matter what problem we face, It's relative because what's a giant for you, maybe it's a giant bee or maybe maybe it's something giant like the guys in the movie we're facing or or maybe it's cancer or maybe it's uh, financial hardships or or maybe it's just this week, just this week. Sometimes for me, it's raising kids to be healthy, right? It's like, wow, uh, these, these kids are testing my patience every single day. And I see some parents looking right at their kids right now. Uh, don't, don't look at them, okay? Just send them to VBS. Uh, we'll fix, no, we don't fix kids, okay? We point them to the love of Jesus. And we all have gigantic problems that we face. And here's the reality is that most of us, most of us would rather not do it. Most of us would rather leave the gigantic problems over here and, and come over here and spend as much time over here as we can. 
And when the giants in your life are left in a corner, do you know what happens? They become bigger, don't they? And there's giants that we all will face whether we want to or not. We all have gigantic problems or that feel gigantic to us. Do you know how you know if, what your giant is in life, the giant that you're facing? It's whatever it is that you think you can't win at. Whatever it is that you think, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do it. So the question we're going to wrestle with today is, what do you do when you're not sure you can win in the battle against this giant in your life? What do you do when you're pretty sure you're going to lose? When you're pretty sure it's not going to work out? When you're pretty sure that if you try to talk to them, it's not going to go well? If you try to reconcile things, it's probably going to get worse. If you try to have an honest conversation, they're probably going to shut down. What do you do when you're not sure you can win in that battle? See, once there was two armies that were in a battle. One army was on top of one mountain, another army on top of another mountain. And there was the valley in between them. And the two armies, the Israelites, God's people, and the Philistines, who wanted to take them over and enslave them, they were stuck. It was kind of like one of those old western standoffs, you know, where they, they march out there and, and the tumbleweed blows and, and they were stuck. Because if you went into the valley, if you charged, then you lost the upper hand and you would lose the battle. And so they were stuck. And so the Philistines, they had a great idea. They sent out one soldier, their champion, Goliath. And when the Israelites saw Goliath say, send out your best soldier to fight me, it'll just be the two of us. And whoever wins, well, they win the whole battle. If I win, you're our slaves. If you win, <laughs> you'll be our slaves. And nobody wanted to go fight. You know why? Because they weren't sure they could win. See, it's not legend. He actually was nine feet tall. See, the David, I mean, you've probably heard the story of David and Goliath before. Even if you're not a church person, you've heard this story. It's very popular. If you've watched a sports movie, okay, you, any sports movie, doesn't matter what it is. It's not a good sports movie if it's not the little guy versus the giant, okay? Uh, like any sports movie at all, you know that, how this works. And then at the end, the little guy wins, and yay, isn't it inspiring? But it's not a legend. He was actually nine feet tall. The Bible says that, that the, the armor and the weaponry that he carried, it weighed as much as me. So imagine me just hanging off of Goliath, okay? Like, that's how big he was. That's how, like, burly he was. That's how strong he was. That's how decked out in weaponry he was. He was a force, well, not to reckon with. And nobody was sure they could win. Until... The shepherd boy showed up. See, David, he had a few brothers that were in the army because they were actually old enough to fight in the battle. 
But David, he stayed home with his dad, and he was, he was a rancher, okay? He was uh, watching the sheep and, and taking care of them while the brothers were off at war. And so he, was, uh, he had that job, but he had a couple part-time jobs, too. One of them was to be an Uber Eats driver. Uh, and so he, he, brought, uh, some lunch to, <laughs> he brought lunch to the battlefield for his brothers so that they could have some, you know, I don't know. It was kind of like ancient Lunchables. It was like goat cheese and, and bread or whatever. And so, so he brings them ancient Lunchables and checks in on how they're doing. And he's supposed to report back to dad. Well, David, he gets to the battlefield and he, he hears Goliath. And it's been 40 days of Goliath saying, send out your best soldier. Where's your God? I thought that you guys were, had this God that was so powerful. I mean, you guys are, uh, you're faithful to Yahweh. Is Yahweh faithful to you? I mean, come on. Nobody thought they could win their battle. David hears this and sees his brothers, sees all the Israelite army, sees King Saul. Everybody is shaking in their boots. And he thinks, well, I'll do it. I'll do it. He starts talking with some of the soldiers. His, one of his older brothers overhears him and he says, what are you thinking? Are you an idiot? What's wrong with you? I know that you're just prideful. I know that you're deceitful. You're just here to get a ringside seat at some bloody battle. You just need to go home to your little sheep, okay? Well, David had another part-time job other than being an Uber Eats driver. He also was a, um, a part-time uh, music therapist in Saul's court, okay? And so he, whenever Saul was having a rough mental health day, uh, he would come in and he would play the harp, okay? He was a musician. He'd play the harp and Saul would be like, oh, okay, okay, everything's cool. And so that was how he knew King Saul. And King Saul, or he came to King Saul and said, Saul, you don't got to worry about this Philistine. I know that this, everyone thinks that they can't win, but I'll go fight them. Because David knew something about Goliath that Saul didn't see, that the armies of Israel didn't see, that his brothers didn't see. David, knew, David never met Goliath before, but he knew something about Goliath. And I want you to know this about the giant that you face in your life. See, David, he, he would say, yeah, Goliath, he's a giant next to me, but he's just a bug next to God. He's just a little, like, and, and God's not like Pastor Nick where he gets scared of, of bees, okay? Like, he's just a little bug, and he can smash this giant. See, it's relative, right? On my own, probably can't beat this giant. But on his own, he can't beat God. And God is with me. See, he's a giant next to me, but he's a bug next to God. Your giant, yeah, it's a giant next to you. It's overwhelming, right? That thing that you're not sure that you can win? That thing that you're not sure that you can overcome? It's overwhelming to even start. And it's so easy to compare ourselves to our giant rather than comparing our giant to our God. It's so easy to, to uh, listen to what everybody else is saying because they're comparing you to your giant rather than comparing your giant to your God. But David knew, and I wonder if you know today, that your giant, yeah, it's a giant. You can be honest about that. It's a giant next to you, but just a little bug next to God. 
And so uh, he, he tells this to, to Saul, yes, I will fight. I'm going to be the guy to, to go down there, but God's going to be the one to win the battle. And, and that was his mindset all the way through. But he was told these lies over and over again, or maybe half-truths is a better way to say it, by people around him. Maybe you've heard these, or maybe you'd say these things to yourself when you're facing your giant. That's why, it, I mean, you, you don't feel the same kind of courage that David feels. David feels this amazing courage. Wouldn't it be incredible if when you're facing your giant or there's that giant that you should face, but you keep refusing to do so? That issue that just keeps growing and growing and growing, but you refuse to address it? Wouldn't it be amazing if you had the same kind of confidence that David had? If you actually believed that, yes, he's a giant next to me, but a bug next to God? See, the reason that we do that is because we believe the things that David was told. David was told, well, you're only a shepherd boy. You're only a shepherd boy. See, you're not, you're not a warrior. He's a warrior. But you, I mean, look at you. Have you ever said that about yourself? I'm only a teenager, so I, I can't make a real difference. I'm only in an entry-level position, so I can't really impact What's going on here? I, I'm only a regular guy. I'm only a stay-at-home mom. I'm only fill-in-the-blank. Did you know that God specializes in doing amazing things through only fill-in-the-blanks? God does what only God can do most often through only fill-in-the-blanks. And I wonder what's the thing that you look at yourself, you look in the mirror and say, I'm just fill in the blank. It's not humility, it's fear, isn't it? See, God doesn't look at you and say, I'm on, you're only. The world might look at you and say, you're only fill in the blank. But God doesn't. And David, he saw himself that way. What about you when you look in the mirror? When you look in the mirror, do you see only or do you see something, someone through whom God can do what only he can do? David, he tells Saul, I'm not only a shepherd boy, I'm a shepherd boy. See, when a lion comes to steal one of the sheep from the flock, when a bear comes to steal one of the sheep, I mean, imagine going up against one of these cats, okay? Like, that's not, that's not your grandma's kitty, okay? That is a beast, all right? And so David, he had experience battling enemies that were bigger than him and overcoming. See, David, he didn't just say, well, God's on my side and uh, any sort of difficulty or challenge, that means that I will overcome. That's actually not true. Just being religious doesn't mean you win a battle, okay? David actually had Real-life skills. He actually battled these things. He had experience. And so if he had experience slaying bears and lions to save a sheep, well, maybe God could use him to slay this giant and save God's flock of sheep. See, God uses your past experience to prepare you for the moment that he's called you to. And God had prepared David. He'd battled the lion, he'd battled the bear, and he had won. 
And he knew that it wasn't just his skill. He knew that it wasn't just him being religious. It was his skill that God gave him in God's power and God's presence working in and through him and preparing him for this moment. Did you know God has prepared you for this moment? Or do you keep looking at yourself in the mirror and thinking, well, I'm only fill in the blank. See, the other thing that if David believed this, he actually would have ended up dead. He, he, he could have believed, well, what I have now for this battle, it's not enough. It's not enough. David, he, uh, he you know, says, Saul, I can do this. I, I, I can go and fight this battle. He's like, all right, fine. But you're going to need to level the playing field. So Saul gives him his armor. You know, Goliath, he's got a helmet. He's got armor. He's got a big old sword. So you have mine. Take my armor. Take my helmet. Take my big old sword. Fight fire with fire, right? Have you ever felt like you had to become like the enemy that you're fighting in order to win? Have you ever felt like well, they're very loud on social media, so I must be loud on social media too. They reacted instead of responding. I will react too. You know, it's interesting. Some people take stories like this about fighting and they kind of get it, get it a little mixed up and out of context because we'll say, well... Any battle that is possible, I'm supposed to step into any fight that I can. Actually, did you know the Bible also says avoid fighting at all costs? And it also says stand up for justice. That's a challenging tension to live in. And sometimes when we're called to step into a battle, it's very easy to think, well, I just don't have, an, I don't have the education I need. I don't have enough money to start that up. I don't have the people around me that I need. I just don't, and so we just won't face the giant. We won't go into battle. We don't have enough. Or we try to become someone that we're not. If David would have tried to be Saul, if David would have tried to be Goliath when he's not, he'd be dead. You know the story? You know that he swung that sling around and, and threw a rock and it, and it went right into Goliath's head. Do you think he would have been agile enough had he worn all that clunky armor that didn't fit? It, it, if he walked out there like that, it would have looked like Billy Crystal trying on all those, those cowboy hats at the, in that beginning clip. You know, it, it would be ridiculous. But I want you to know today, you have right now provided by God exactly what you need for what you need to do now. Whatever God has called you to do right now, he's provided exactly what you need. David, he takes off the armor and he goes uh, over to the stream and he pulls out five smooth stones. And, you know, I when I was studying this passage, and you know, I've heard this story so many times in my life, and um, sometimes you, you hear a story so many times, and you, it starts to not impact you. You start to sort of shut down. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know this. But then there was something that, that as I was studying it, it, it just stood out to me. I'd never noticed this before. He reached down into the river, and it said that he grabbed, do you know what kind of stones? Five smooth stones. Do you know how a stone becomes smooth? 
It becomes smooth by water running over it, and not just for a short period of time, but for a long period of time, and it grinds it down slowly over time, making it smooth. And David needed smooth stones for his sling. If he had jagged stones, they wouldn't fly the same way. He couldn't be accurate with his sling. I wonder how many years those stones sat in that stream waiting to be picked up by David. I wonder how many years prior God had arranged it so that these stones would be the stones that that David would use to slay Goliath. And I wonder in your life, what are the smooth stones that you need to pick up that God has provided for you? Sometimes I'm like, hey God, if there's something I'm supposed to be doing right now, could you please hurry it up? And he says, trust me. I'm making smooth stones for you. There's a smooth stone, and if if you'll pick it up, if you'll recognize what I have provided for you so that you can do what you're supposed to do now, not tomorrow, there would be a day that David would fit into the armor. But today, he didn't have to be Goliath. He had to be David and use what God had given him. When will you stop trying to be somebody you're not and use what God has given you to do for what he's called you to today. One last lie that would have killed David if he believed it is no one's coming to save you. You're totally on your own in this fight. Imagine being David and and you're walking out to meet Goliath. You got your stick, you got your stones, gonna break some bones, okay? You're, gonna, you're stepping out, and Goliath, you know that he's tall, but the closer you get, the taller he is. You know that he's loud, and the closer you get, the louder he becomes. That's the way giants work. And you know if you start to fall, that whole army that's behind you, they're not coming to get you. In fact, they don't even believe in you. They're looking at you and and saying, great, we're sending a shepherd boy out to fight Goliath. Are you guys ready to be slaves? We're going to be slaves now, all right? In about 20 minutes, we become slaves. Everybody ready? Nobody believed in David. And if David thought that he was on his own, I'm pretty sure he'd be dead. The thing is, David wasn't the second person out to the battlefield. He was the third. Goliath was out there. But so was his God. And David next to Goliath, well, that makes Goliath a giant. But Goliath next to God makes Goliath a bug. And so he walks out there knowing, with this deep confidence, knowing that his God is with him. And already there in the valley. You, you know that psalm, that, and actually Pastor Amanda talked about this psalm verse by verse last week. If you missed that message, I loved that message. One of my favorite psalms. It says, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because I'm so skilled. Because I'm so faithful. No. It's because you are with me. You know who wrote that? David. He probably sang it to Saul while he was having a bad mental health day. David, he knew this deep in his heart. I wonder, do you know that your God is actually not, he's not only already in your battle, 
but he is pursuing you wherever you go? Or if it looks like that you're about to be taken over, do you know that he's coming after you? That you are not alone in your battle against your giant? Do you know? Did you know that, yeah, he's a giant next to you, but he's a bug next to God? In the movie City Slickers, the city slickers are driving cattle and, and there's the trail boss and his name's Curly. And he's, he's one of them old, crusty cowboys, okay? Uh, he, he's always got a hand-rolled cigarette in his mouth and, and he walks kind of like this. And, and you know, he, the, everybody thinks that he's going to kill them all at some point because he's just kind of got that crazy look in his eye. But he's one of them old cowboys. And, and on the trail, he, you know, teaches some lessons. And then one day they go to, to they wake up and they go and say, hey, Curly, come on over. And he's just sitting there on a mountain with a cigarette still hanging out of his mouth. And he's dead. It's just dead. And everyone's like, uh-oh. And some of you, you're like, don't ruin the movie. It's like, well, it came out in 91, everybody. Like, it, it, you had your chance, Okay. So, so he, he's dead, just randomly dies. And then the other staff, the cowboys, they're supposed to be taking care of the guests, the tenderfoots. Well, they're not so great. In fact, after a bit, they're not, they're not doing the, the driving cattle thing anymore. They actually have another one of those Western standoff things. And, and uh, you know, they, they end up leaving. So now it's just the newbies and the cows. And so they have to drive the cattle. And it'd be easy for them to think nobody's coming to save us. And they'd be right. So they start going and, and they're driving the cattle and they get to this valley. A lot like the valley that David would have walked into. They get to this valley and, uh, and the river is starting to rise because, because, well, it's storming. It's starting to flood and they think, oh no, there's no way we're going to be able to get past this. One of, them, one of them says, hey, just trying to be the voice of reason here. Maybe we just need to ditch the cows and figure out how to save ourselves. The other guy, he says, a cowboy never leaves his herd. So he says back, you're a sportswear salesman. <laughs> not today, I'm not. So he goes down to the river and he finds a, a spot where the, the cattle can, can cross safely. And, and so they start herding the cows. And they're like, "Woo, yeah, we did it. We're going to make it through this valley. And then uh, Billy Crystal's character, Mitch, he turns around and he sees his favorite cow. In fact, it's a calf named Norman that he, he loved him so much because he gave birth to him on the trail. Very interesting scene. Okay, just, that's a Midwest interesting, not like, ooh, I want to go watch that scene. It's like, Interesting that they included that. Uh, and so he gives birth to this, cow, this calf on the trail, and he loves Norman the calf. And all the big cows, they get across the stream. But look at what this cowboy does when he sees Norman struggling in the river by himself.
<laughs> you're crazy. You talk about me, but you're crazy. Crazy cowboy, crazy calf. And isn't it kind of crazy to think that we have a God that would send his only son, Jesus Christ, into the river, into the valley, into this world, into your situation and mine, to die on a cross for us, to pursue us with his love. See, David, he finishes his psalm, Psalm 23, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. Like Billy Crystal pursues Norman the calf. He'll dive right in. He's already there. And as the world takes you away, as your enemies take you away, he is right there with you. And it looked like, well, it looked a lot like David walking into the valley. Uh Uh-oh. He's gonna go in there and he's gonna die. And that'll be that. And we'll be slaves. But God had made a smooth stone. God had prepared David and David slayed the giant. But that wasn't the last time that God would be slaying any giants. Or in his case, squashing some bugs. See, Jesus, he dies on a cross and it looks like David walking into the valley, but on the third day, he rose from the grave. And it's not a legend. It actually happened. And because it actually happened, that means that the giants that you and I will face, whether we want to address them or not, they are slayed. See, here's the thing is people were scared of Goliath and you'd probably think, well, it's because he had all those big muscles and he was a giant, he was, had weapons, he was scary. No, they were scared of Goliath because Goliath could kill them. And you will face something that will kill you. You're going to. Every single human being, me too, kill your, not just your relationships, not just your body, you. And Jesus, when he went to the cross, he became our champion. He was the one that looked like such an unlikely hero. But he became our champion to slay our giants, the giants of sin, the giants of death, the giants of the devil, the darkness and evil that we see in this world. And my question for you is, do you really think that you can win that battle? Or are you just avoiding it? Pretending like, yeah, sin and death and the devil. I don't have to deal with those right now. I can just have a nice little, nice little Midwestern, uh, upper middle class experience until I have to face it. But did you know that God is with you right now? Did you know that you have a good shepherd that dives into the river with you? And so maybe it's time to step into the valley. Maybe it's time to step into the battle. Because yes, it's a giant next to you, but it's a bug next to the cross of Jesus Christ. And so whatever your giant is, I want you to to remember this. And every time you look at it, you feel, feel afraid. You feel like you wanna run away. You feel frozen. And I just want you to even just say this in your mind. You know, yeah, it's a giant. I'm not even sure how I'm gonna do it. It's a giant next to me, but it's a bug next to God. 
It's a bug next to God. It'll be squashed next to God because Jesus Christ has overcome sin, death, and the grave. He's overcome it for you. He's a pretty crazy cowboy. So my question for you is, when are you going to stop saying, I'm only filling the blank. I don't have enough. No one is coming to save me. And when are you going to let that crazy cowboy, Jesus Christ, slay your giant with you and through you? Because his love is pursuing you all the days of your life. Amen? Yeehaw! Ride him, cowboy! All right, let's stand up and let's sing and worship our God.